This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Well, good morning, Canada. Welcome to the longest day of the year. This is the best time of year. It's late June. Summer is officially here. And Golf Talk Canada is back for another Wednesday edition, a Wednesday triple header. This is leg one from now till uh, noon on TSN 1050, 1 p.m. TSN 4, 4 p.m. TSN 2. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Bob, good morning. How are you this morning? Doing very well, thank you. Very well. Beautiful day. Now uh, back in the homestead for a little bit here. It's nice. Well, I was just going to ask you that because this is the we've had this for the last couple of years where we've gone RBC Canadian Open, U.S. Open. But this year was obviously crazier in terms of the merger news that happened at the start of the week of the RBC Canadian Open. Nick Taylor making history in the greatest way possible that Sunday. And then you jump on a, on a plane to L.A. and cover the U.S. Open. Like, a, how happy are you to be back in your own <laughs> bed? Well, it'll be good. Uh, you know, it's good to have a little, little more time that's not fully focused on golf so it's pretty good still got uh, lots of stuff to do today and uh and then tomorrow and friday we'll maybe get up to the golf course and see what we can do there you go there you go well longest day of the year uh hopefully you go out get out and play if you're uh maybe on the way to the golf course right now or maybe going to tee it later this afternoon uh longest day of the year which is totally awesome busy show as usual today mark Sakino will drop by an hour or two for a full uh preview of the travelers championship we'll also look ahead to this week's lpga kpmg women's pga championship the second major on the lpga tour calendar and this week is tailor-made putter week so we'll go one-on-one with bill price a little later in uh, the show plus we'll hear bob's one-on-one with wyndham clark after he won the u.s open but first let's hit it with some news and some headlines news and headlines are brought to you by sandbagger hard seltzer sandbagger everybody knows one so bob i mentioned that merger news that took place 15 days ago when we were at Oakdale for the RBC Canadian Open and allegedly there was another player meeting yesterday Tuesday at the Travelers Championship where you know obviously the RBC Canadian Open wasn't a designated event but there was that player meeting that afternoon however players were still joining via Zoom uh, phone etc have you heard anything that uh, that went down from that meeting yesterday afternoon uh, I put a few feelers out this morning, and there was the only thing I got back was that the PGA Tour, there were two gentlemen, Tyler Dennis, I can't remember the other gentleman, who were running and sipping in for Jay Monahan, who's obviously off with a little medical situation. And they, um, they said that the sort of overarching theme was to try and reassure the players that the PGA Tour was still in charge, that it wasn't going to be the uh, private investment fund of Saudi Arabia that was going to be calling all the shots. And I didn't hear how it went. There was um, some talk about the, the they were they were sort of worried about what the heat level would be in that meeting after the one that they had at Oakdale, where things got pretty uh, pretty intense. Uh, but there's nothing nothing that's leaked out too much that I can find anyway so far. And and as I say, the couple of people that I talked to or traded texts with weren't really too deep in it. So it's um, 
But it sounds like at least they're having some discussions with the players, which is obviously much needed. Yeah, that's obviously a start because I was still mind-blown and perplexed watching, hearing some of those press conferences early in the week before the U.S. Open began where players were asked about the merger news and basically their response was, I know as much as you do, which you would think that, you know, someone would have received some sort of heads up and, and these players are confused and some of them quite frankly are are still pretty mad yeah and understandably so right i mean they don't know what their future is going to be looking like they don't know uh what the schedule is going to look like next year they don't know if live is going to be folded back into the pga tour if they're going to continue to operate separately and in a lot of cases i don't know if the guys who are calling the shots actually kind of know what's going on yet it's, it sounds a little bit ridiculous, but I think, you know, they, they wanted to get the news out that this was going to happen before it sort of leaked out. And I can understand that, but um, to not have a lot of details before you sign on the dotted line seems a little bit uh, sketchy, I guess. And, and so I'm not sure right now if, um, if, if I was a golfer on the PGA Tour, I'd be any less upset than these guys are because you just want to know if you're going to have a future and what that future is going to look like. Well, you mentioned players who are currently on the PGA Tour. Someone else very notable in the golf world doesn't really play in the PGA Tour anymore at all. Sometimes every once in a while he'll show up as Tom Watson. Now, Tom Watson wrote an open letter uh, to PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan, basically asking for answers. And it was a very long letter, but I'm going to take one piece, one quote from it. And I'm quoting him here. What does acceptance of this partnership mean to the tour? What do we get? What do we give up? Why was this deal done in such secrecy? And why wasn't even one of the players who sits on the tour's policy board included? Watson asked that was part of the letter. Uh, what else did you take from that open letter that Tom Watson wrote up, Bob? Well, it, there wasn't anything, you know, dramatically new or anything in there. I think, I think it's the letter was more important, not by what it said, but who it came from. And Tom Watson is a well-regarded guy amongst the PGA Tour, even the players of today, or the younger players who know of what he accomplished. The one, the one thing that sort of highlighted to me was, and I think this is an important question, it may not be the top of every player's uh, question list, but it's, it was, was basically saying, was the PGA Tour in such dire straits financially that they had to do this deal? And that's something that's sort of arisen was, you know, by pulling out all the plugs, raising these purses, um, going into the reserves during COVID even, you know, was the PGA Tour in a financial dire strait that it needed to do this deal more so than anything? And and the other part that Tom Watson did say, was this the only entity that could have provided some financial support for this or were there other things out there? So um, it's interesting. And Davis Love, you know, put another letter out as well this week and said, he just sort of said everybody needs to calm down a little bit, I think, if I'm reading between the lines properly. You know, let's just wait and see what's going on. But I don't know if the players really are anxious to do that. They want to know what's going on, and, and I think a lot of people want to know what's going on as well. Well, they certainly want to know what's going on. And initially, the headline was PGA Live merger, and now we have the PGA PIF merger and sort of the uncertainty here. And many people thought that or assumed maybe that Live would no longer be a thing going forward. But news breaking about an hour ago that one of the Live teams, Majestic GC, has signed its first global sponsorship with OKX Crypto Exchange. 
I mean, like, how is this still happening? That's there's this mass confusion that these companies are still signing these sponsorship deals. Bryson DeChambeau last week was talking about how their his team's going to have some sort of general manager or something. I, I'm as confused, I guess, as as the entire golfing community. It's sort of like, how on earth is everything still going on like this? Isn't it kind of uh, apropos that the first sponsor for one of these teams is a crypto company? But um, I, I guess I guess you, you've got to keep operating as if the things are going to continue. I mean, you can't just sort of sit in the sidelines. And if there was an opportunity, I'm sure this sponsorship deal was probably not something that came up overnight. It was probably something they were working on before the announcement of uh of the merger or whatever you want to call it the partnership so good good for the majestics for having a sponsor i don't know how much it's worth or what's going on the majestics by the way that's uh lee westwood and uh ian poulter and i can't remember who else stenson's another one stenson and and sam horsefield i think um anyway they um yeah it's you got to keep going you got to keep moving forward as if it's going to operate and you do so until they tell you otherwise i think yeah, it's a story that we'll continue to keep tracking as news continues to break because it will continue to break and the story will continue uh, to evolve. Okay, getting to some other news around the world of golf. There was a lot going on on social media in terms of response to the U.S. Open, how the atmosphere seemed maybe a little eerie, seemed a little uh, not as rambunctious or boisterous as it's been in the past on the golf course, but... People watched the U.S. Open and watched it in a big way. NBC says it drew 6.2 million viewers across broadcast and Peacock for Wyndham Clark's win at the U.S. Open. That's up from 5.4 million last year, the most watched U.S. Open since 2019. You wonder, Bob, is this a you know primetime Pacific uh, you know uh, golf being played out west? Uh, finishing uh, the final round, finished at around uh, 10 o'clock Eastern time. Do you think that has a lot to do with this? Because we've seen a number of U.S. Opens now in the last couple of years uh, being played at West. Yeah, obviously prime time gives you a lot more opportunity to get viewers in. People are inside a lot more. I mean, I know that even when it's on the East Coast, uh, well, it's always on the East Coast, the Masters always tries to push the ending of it past 7 o'clock just because that gets it a prime time number. And it means they can sell the ratings. I mean, they don't really have to sell too much, but they can sell um, advertising based on primetime rates. So all those ones that are on the East Coast always try to get a little bit later in the, into the post-7 p.m. because that's, that's the magic hour when things start to ramp up in terms of uh, rates that you can charge. So uh, not a big surprise. I, I think if in one case, though, on Saturday night, it was actually finished too late. I mean, it finished at past 11 o'clock. I heard from a number of people said, yeah, I just went to bed. I couldn't. I couldn't stay up that late, so not like you young bucks, Scully, who uh, who stay. You know, that's just when you're starting to get ready to go out. But um, but I think that there's a, a magic uh, line, and I think they love having it on the West Coast for that prime time reasons. Yeah, it, it's it's fascinating, and if memory serves, when John Rahm won the 2021 U.S. Open at Torrey Pines, also obviously in the West Coast, I believe it ended earlier. Like, I believe they they aimed for that to end at around 8 p.m. Eastern time. So you wonder, you know, th- this extra two hours as as a viewer, you know, as, as a young buck like me, I'm I'm all over this. But I don't know. It, 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 seemed, it did seem a little late for sure. Well, there's it's not a standalone thing. You can't just sort of 
plug in the U.S. Open and say, okay, go. I know that on Saturday, for instance, there was a big, uh, I don't know what league it was, some big soccer game that had to be played. And that's why things got bumped back a little bit later than normal because they, NBC wanted to get this soccer game on, which they had commitments to as well. So you can't look at it as just an island. There's a whole you know, puzzle that you have to put together and putting times and slots and programming and trying to figure out how long it's going to go. So, but I think you're right. I do remember, I can remember interviewing John Rahm after his win and it was still light. And I think we still went for dinner after this time when we interviewed Wyndham Clark, it was, uh, well, after nine o'clock, I think, and we got, it was pitch black when we left uh, the, the clubhouse where we did the interview to go back to the media center. So uh, you're absolutely right in that terms of, uh, of timing for Rom and, and Clark. And you mentioned, you know, other sports influencing times changing. Same thing with the Saturday of the RBC Canadian Open when that round, when the TV window was shifted a little bit and that that ended at about 7.30 Eastern instead of the usual 6 or 6.30. I believe there was another soccer game CBS was holding. And I know fans that day uh, got to enjoy the festivities a lot at Oakdale as Alanis Morissette was playing a little later that evening. Did you actually go to any of the concerts, Bob? I haven't asked you this question. I didn't this year. No, I, you know what? Usually I do. I've, I went last year to Maroon 5. I didn't go this year, but uh, I'm not, not a super fan of either of those two groups. But they... Um, they drew big numbers. There were lots of people there. Like on the night that Annalanis Moore said that we were there late, and there was a big gaggle of people there, including our uh, producer Mike Kaczynski and his family. Oh. Some people who you know who showed up just for the concert. I understand. There so, you so. Go. <laughs> yeah, I, I know uh, Mike Kaczynski was there. I know Kara Waglin, Sarah Davis. Uh, Lindsay Hamilton, a lot of the sports yeah. center hosts were there out and about milling about and enjoying uh, their time. Before we sign off here and go to segment two, some other news that looks like is becoming official now. We're seeing the U.S. Open commit to golf courses years in advance. And now it appears that for 2031, the U.S. Open is heading to Riviera, which, uh, which is still eight years away. And Riviera uh, is obviously what, like a 10, 15-minute drive from LACC? I, I was just there in uh, in February for the Adidas Global Launch event, and we were just around the corner. Obviously, traffic is, is a little different, for sure, depending on wherever you are, whether you're in Toronto or Los Angeles. But Riviera as a major championship venue, what do you think? Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's always thought it was not enough room to put it on there. Uh, and I think what LACC did this year was show that uh, with the right – financial model you don't necessarily have to welcome 40,000 people now you can say that's good or bad but I think now for Riviera to try and get it's and it's been after a U.S. Open for quite some time so I think that they've um, they've met they've put, sort of changed the model a little bit the, f the footprint of it I mean there, you, you need a lot of space it's it's just like the Canadian Open it's not so much that there aren't great courses in Toronto and elsewhere in Canada that could hold it but you need the room around it and uh so for that reason, I think uh, it's great to see Riviera now, and I'm not sure how they're going to put the puzzle together, but obviously they figured it out. And isn't it wild to know that they have, I think they have uh, the LA Country Club slotted in in 2039 to go back or something like that. I mean, they have, they have U.S. Open scheduled, and people who will be playing in that U.S. Open aren't even born yet. <laughs> that's, that's how far off in advance they are. Yeah, it's certainly certainly wild, and I know in terms of course setup, I've seen some rumors out there too that number one at Riviera will be played as a par four, that famous 
uh, par five that plays at around 500 yards, but significantly downhill. And then what will we see on the 10th hole, one of the most famous par fours, short par fours in uh, the world of golf. I had a chance to walk around Riviera too. I hadn't been there before. And like you mentioned, Bob, it's pretty jam packed and tightly packed together, but the golf course itself is amazing. So uh, assuming this news is true, it would be awesome to see a U.S. Open there in 2031. Well, Wyndham Clark won this year's U.S. Open a couple days ago, and shortly after that win, he went one-on-one with Bob. On the other side, we'll hear that interview, and we'll get Bob's final thoughts on LACC, what was good and what was not so good. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods, designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by JPSM Golf, offering Canada's largest selection of electric golf trolleys. Good for your score, good for your health. Visit jpsmgolf.com to find a trolley that fits your game. JPSM Golf, Canada's premier electric golf trolley specialist. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Scully and Weeks alongside. Speaking of JPSM Golf, I know they have some exciting products that we'll be featuring on some upcoming editions of GTC. I believe Mark's actually heading to their studio at some point today or tomorrow where we'll get a full in-depth look at JPSM and some of their products. Well, Wyndham Clark, your U.S. Open champion, and shortly after winning the U.S. Open, he does a number of one-on-one interviews, and one of those is with you, Bob. Now, give us a little behind the scenes here. Like, how do these all work out? Is, is Wyndham Clark sort of sitting in one spot with the trophy and then each interviewer sort of cycles in and out, or how does this whole thing it's, work? Uh, it's more or less like that. The, the, there's about four or five of us that all work together and uh, to put it on. So essentially, um, there's CNN, TSN, ESPN, Sirius XM, and then the uh, USGA itself has a, a, an interview. And we basically just kind of pool two cameras together so the cameras don't have to be moved in and out. Um, you just, as it, it really is just the host that, that uh, the person asking the questions that changes. And, you know, in some cases, the poor Wyndham's getting the same question five times in about 10, 15 minutes or whatever, but he's pretty good about it. This time was a little different. Um, and I'd not, I think ESPN just did something on, so, like on a Zoom call. And uh, Sirius XM just did one with a, uh, just a microphone. Obviously, they don't have a video comp- component for them so it was just us and cnn working together and and the room is i won't say it's jammed but there's wyndham's family was in there and the other hosts and the other broad producers and things are all in there so you're sitting in what it looks when you see it it looks like just the two of us going back and forth and no one else is there but there's probably about 20 people in the room watching you and uh and critiquing you sort of in a good way but uh it's it's uh it gets done it's a good it's a really nice perk for uh, being a rights holder no, totally. And and that's why I really enjoyed when you posted that behind the scenes look where you and Wyndham were sitting and you could see the U.S. Open trophy and you could see people standing behind in a big way. And if you actually look at the interview, which is on TSN.ca now, which aired on SportsCenter, which airs on Golf Talk Canada as well later this afternoon, it, it's a great looking Great looking shot, as, as we say in, in, in the biz. So uh, without further ado, here's Bob and Wyndham Clark about an hour or so after Wyndham Clark won his first career major championship. 
Wyndham, congratulations. Tremendous win. When we looked at the leaderboard at the start of the day, those top four names, you were the one with the least experience. And yet, when you walked through all those 18 holes, you seemed to be the one who was the most unflappable. How did you feel? How did you do that? Um, you know, I just... I've had a great run of golf in these last uh, five months, and I felt like with all of the great play I've had, it's you know instilled a bunch of confidence in myself and belief that I can do it. And winning just uh, four or five weeks ago kind of solidified that. And I think it was a huge stepping stone in my career because I knew that if I got in contention again, that I could lean on that thing. And I had the belief that, hey, I can do this. I've done it once. I can do it again. And, you know, obviously the guys that were up there on the leaderboard have had more success thus far on the PJ Tour. Um, but I knew I was a great player, and I knew I can compete with them, and I know I can compete with the best of them. So I was really for, looking forward to the challenge, and, um, you know, I knew I was going to have a chance coming up those last few holes. So many great moments today. I mean, I can look through and see, I don't know how many of them. You can look at, uh, at eight, the, the bogey save on eight, uh, nine, 11, second shot on 14, the putt on 18, the first putt. I mean, what stands out for you at this point? I mean, it's only been an hour or two yeah. since you went um, through it. but I, There was a lot of shots this whole week. I mean, I had an up and down on, on 14 that might be the best, one of the best of, of my career um, and riskiest. Um, you know, and like you said, the up and downs on 8, 9, and 11 were huge. And the birdie on 14 and the two-putt on 18, I mean, there's so many shots. The the birdie on 18 yesterday, um, you know, I, I can't wait to go back and and look at those. And those will always be my memory bank for the next time I'm in contention. I can lean on those situations. So uh, it's been an amazing week filled with tons of great shots. And, um uh, yeah, it hasn't really sunk in yet. It's crazy. People who are familiar with your game have said for a long time that you could be one of the best players in the world. I think they've told you that. How, how long was it before you believed that? I, I, I believed it coming out um, right away as a, a PJ Tour player, but as I didn't perform at the level that I thought I could, that started to go away, and I started to really belittle myself and stop believing that I could be that person. Um, and it started to bother me when people would bring that up and how talented I am and how if you figure this out and you get this and once that Wyndham figures it out, he's going to crush it. Um, you know, is that those might be um, compliments, but for me, it hit me right in my heart. And it's like, well, what am I doing that's, uh, you know, what am I not doing? Why am I not having the success that these people think I can have and that I know I can have? Um, and so to finally finally start playing the golf that I know I could play and then winning my first tournament and then now winning a major, um, you know, it, it kind of has brought me back to where I was as a kid when I dreamed of being, um, you know, like Tiger Woods and winning. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy to think how much I've changed in these last six months. And now I'm a major champion. It's um, something that obviously will remember for the rest of my life. Let's look forward now. You've got this win, Ryder Cup. Have you thought about that? You're in the automatic pick zone right now. Yeah, I, um, you know, that, I didn't really have any thoughts of that until I won Wells Fargo. And then I jumped right in the mix. And then that's something that you think about and, Obviously now winning the U.S. Open, I'm I'm hoping that gets me in. Um, but yeah, I mean I still have three, four more events before the playoffs, and then the playoffs, I'm I'm very competitive. I want to keep winning. So 
you know, I'm going to celebrate this, but I got travelers next week. And then, um, you know, the last major of the year coming up and then playoffs. So I'm looking forward to more competition and getting back in the mix. Your late mother said famously play big. Was today the day you played big? Yeah, I'd, I'd say more than ever. This, uh, this is when I leaned on that the most. And, you know, there was a lot of fans rooting for other guys and not me. And, um, you know, it just reminded me that I was a little bit of the underdog, just like the Nuggets were in, in, this, uh, in their playoff run. And it just kind of gave me a little extra uh, jump in my step and a little chip on my shoulder to, to play big and to uh, do stuff that I know I can do and show the world how good of a player I am. Congratulations. We'll see you at Royal Liverpool. Sounds good. Thank you. Great stuff there, Bob. And and since the uh, interview aired and since he won the U.S. Open, we've seen Clark been doing the the media tour in uh, New York and the U.S. We've seen some uh, some grainy social media videos of him drinking out of the U.S. Open trophy, maybe chugging a, out of the U.S. Open trophy. And I, I I don't blame him. I mean, no, but it, it's funny too because you look at other famous trophies in sports. You think the Wanamaker Trophy, you think the Stanley Cup, those are pretty heavy. But the U.S. Open trophy, it's really not that big, is it? No, it's not actually. It's probably the. I'm trying to think now. Uh, well, no, I guess the Claret Jug would be probably smaller or around the yeah. same size. But it's it's pretty. Um, the, it's it's easy. The top comes off pretty quickly, so you can drink out of it pretty quickly as well. I remember uh, Justin Thomas telling me that the Wanamaker Trophy fit. I think he said thirty-four beers. I think it was yeah. something like that. So, yeah, I think these guys like to have a little sip out of it, just like that. And speaking of, uh, speaking of, uh, he, he mentioned the Denver Nuggets winning. Um, he was also, I also ran into uh, Nathan McKinnon at the uh, U.S. Open, who plays at the same club where Wyndham Clark plays in Denver. And uh, he said that, Wyndham said that uh, he had texted him uh, congratulations when he sat down. So just a little hockey uh, tie-in there as well. And Nathan McKinnon was one of, several NHLers enjoying themselves uh, at, at the tournament. Good, good for them. Uh, good boys uh, enjoying their time at LACC. Uh, that would be some party, both uh, with the NHL guys and, of course, Wyndham Clark getting it done. His first career major championship. Okay, on the other side, we're turning our attention to the Travelers Championship, another designated event on the PGA Tour. Are there too many designated events jam-packed together? We'll discuss that, plus the favorites uh, in terms of odds on FanDuel. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by TaylorMade, was brought to you by JPSM Golf, offering Canada's largest selection of electric golf trolleys. Good for your score, good for your health. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Our first leg of our triple header today across the TSN network. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Well, this week on the PGA Tour, it's the Travelers Championship Another designated event. So many of the top players are yet again in the field. Now, we've seen a lot of golf being played as of late. 
Bob, and a lot of these top players are playing in all these events because they have been designated events. And those who also play the RBC Canadian Open, this is at least four events in a row for guys like Rory McIlroy. Do you think this is too much golf jam-packed together? Like, would you have rather seen a non-designated event this week and then go back to that perhaps next week? Uh, it sounds like a, like a good system. It's just that if you leave a tournament like that isolated between, as the Canadian Open was this year, between a designated event and a major or a major and a designated event, the field is going to be a little depleted. Now, luckily, RBC you know, has a number of players on their team, has some wherewithal to attract some other players. So you get a pretty decent field for the RBC Canadian Open. But there have been some events this year where the fields have been pretty weak and have been, um, they look like almost like opposite field events. Well, you know, if you see the Bermuda or the Dominican Republic, those tournaments. So it's a little tough. I don't, I don't know if there's a perfect system here. You've kind of created a two-headed monster where you've got uh, A's and B's and, and, you know, everyone wants to play the A's and only some guys want to play the B's. So it's not easy to figure out a system that's going to make it work. And maybe with this new arrangement with the PIF, you know, things will change. But I know the, there, there's no PGA Tour schedule released yet for next year. And a lot of that is because they're trying to balance out and not what uh, what Jay Monahan calls have an island, which is basically what the RBC Canadian Open was, getting something stuck on its own. So um, I don't know how you fix this issue with when you've created this monster, but uh, they're going to try and do something so it's a little more attractive for some players. But I know when I talked to Rory McIlroy at the Canadian Open, he said, you know, he's playing four weeks in a row. This is the only time he's done it. I said, when was the last time he played four in a row? He said, this stretch last year. So mm. tough grind. Yeah, tough grind for sure. And, you know, there's been the argument uh, for, you know, the quote-unquote island events or opposite field events that if you play well, you'll get into the big events. Big case in point, Wyndham Clark didn't qualify for the WGC match play. He was playing in Punta Cana that week in the opposite field event. That was before the Masters. That was called two and a half months ago. And now he's the 13th ranked player in the world and a major champion and a two-time winner on the PGA Tour. So it is possible if these guys aren't playing in these big events to play their way into the big events. Well, someone who's played his way into these big events and has done very well for the most part in these big events is one Scotty Scheffler. And he is the overwhelming betting favorite yet again this week at the Travelers Championship on FanDuel. His odds are plus 600. Now, this guy has been a top 12 machine it's almost like he's robotic. And we've talked at length on Golf Talk Canada, on SportsCenter, all about the putting woes. And, you know, he's first in a lot of categories, strokes gain approach, strokes strokes gain tee to green, a number of other strokes gain categories, 138th in strokes gain putting for the season. However, last week at the U.S. Open, he was 37th in strokes gain putting. So some big improvements. My question to you, Bob, is at some point, is he just going to get absolutely run down and exhausted and eventually, you know, miss a cut or something? (laughs) Yeah, run down and exhausted for him might mean finishing, you know, 20th or something. I don't know. It's been a remarkable stretch. And as you pointed out, you know, his putting wasn't bad last week. His iron play was uh, lacking at certain times, but over the course of the four days was still pretty good. His strokes gain approach was, you know, plus 1.71 on the data golf system. So that's pretty good. And um, I don't know, it's, it's hard to think of hard to think of what he has to do to get another win. And uh Although, although when you look at the overall record, it's still exceptionally impressive, even without that win. Seconds and fifths, and 
you know, top fives and top tens. It's, it's a remarkable year. He's won something like, I, I think I checked, I should have it right here, but he won like 12 million, he's won $12 million or something already this season or $16 million. I mean, it's way, way out in front of, of any, any past performance on any uh, annual basis. So if you, if, if you put this as an entirety, the season is ridiculous. If you look and say, well, how come he hasn't won more, then I guess you could have a question mark. And the last time Scotty Scheffler finished outside the top 12 at a PGA Tour event was back in October. Back in October. That is just mind-blowing to think uh, that he has had this remarkable year. And to only have two wins is crazy. 13 top 10s in 17 events. And to your point, Bob, $17.7 million for Scotty Scheffler this year. It's been remarkable to see. And, and, and we'll see uh, what the putter, if there is a putter change. I know he made a subtle change at the Travelers Championship. He's finished in the top 10 in all three majors so far this season. The Open Championship uh, about a month uh, or so away. I want to ask you about Rory McIlroy because yes he came up short at the U.S. Open he has the fourth shortest odds to win at plus 1200 and you made this point on Golf Talk Canada television where and I, and I, I wholeheartedly agree where it seems like now at least for the time being he's turned the corner and he's trying to focus really only on golf he's trying to when he his press conferences it won't be 85 percent about being a leader on the PGA Tour about not playing golf. It's just about the tour itself. But now it seems like that corner perhaps has been turned where it could be time, unless he's exhausted, it could be time for Rory McIlroy to really break through. Uh, what are your chances, or what do you think his chances are to perform well this week? I think it's pretty good if he sticks to his guns. I think he realized this was a stretch of golf for the four weeks, as I mentioned just moments ago. It's going to be a rough stretch. You leave him could leave him fatigued. I think he's also, uh, after the news that broke at the Canadian Open about the uh, uh, live Mer- the live PIF arrangement, I guess, with PGA Tour, I think he now has taken himself out of the uh, the bullseye as a guy who's always going to be quoted. He didn't. He he uh, took his. He was going to give a media conference last week, but he declined it. He, he you know went back on his word. Not went back on his word. He opted out again, and he's not set for a press conference this week at the Memorial. So, you know, I think he's doing things to try and let him be a little bit more focused on golf, a little bit more relaxed. Um, There was some talk about him playing practice rounds just alone, going out by himself. So I think he's just trying to uh, exhale from everything that's happening and maybe get himself back into golf. It's so hard, I'm sure, for him to come second as he did. You know, one birdie down the stretch somewhere gets him into a playoff or two birdies somewhere along the line or one less, you know, one shot. You can go back and look at that and kick yourself, I think, a lot of times. He's still playing great golf, but I think he really wants to just be a golfer again and not be the uh, the spokesperson for the PGA Tour Players Association. Yeah, and, and looking back at St. Andrews last year where a lot of people have made the comparison between the final round at St. Andrews at the 150th Open where he came third actually behind Cam Smith and Cam Young to the U.S. Open a couple of days ago. After that Open Championship, there was there was pictures of him you know sitting in a golf cart just disheveled, just so emotional, basically crying that he couldn't get this done. It seemed like a bit of a different Rory after the U.S. Open. It seemed like it seems like he's pretty close. Where 
quite frankly, Bob, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win the Open in a month by six shots, like where everything just breaks through, where, like you mentioned too, he only lost to one player this past week. And clearly in the final round, you know, there were some errant shots. People have talked about the wedge shot into 14, that par five, which uh, he, if he had waited on his wind, as he said afterwards, maybe it's a different story. But not enough people, I don't think, are talking about the tee shot he hit on that hole, where he was trying to tr- sort of wiggle a cut in there versus play his draw. And he's been, he was driving it on a string all week, probably one of the best driving performances of his life. He gained nearly eight shots on the field, strokes gained off the tee alone. Do you think that mentality from Rory in terms of how he sounded after his final round comparing the U.S. Open this year, Open Championship last year, do you think that's a good thing for Rory as we move forward here? I do. I think it's a very good thing. I think he needs to be, um, you know, he talks about resilience a lot last week. He talked about how he's going to, you know, learn from this. And uh, although he did say that every time he comes and doesn't get it done, it's like a, a, a gut punch. And so, but I think, I think now he understands that, look, it's going to be worth waiting for it. He does believe that he's still going to win a, a major, as do I think most people who watched him play. And as you said, it could be as quickly as the Open Championship. But there are no guarantees that he'll ever win another major. And I think in his mind, he's understanding that, look, uh, yeah, I didn't win this tournament, but I, as you said, I only got beat by one player. And, did I, and, and I think the, the, the part where he's frustrated because he couldn't make up the one shot to catch Wyndham Clark is less now than it's been before, say, with Cam Smith and Cam Young at the Open Championship last year. So I think he's sort of coming to terms with, hey, majors are hard to win. And if it takes me 12 years to win my next one, so be it. But uh, but listen, to be in the hunt as many times as he has, 19 top 10 finishes since he last won a major championship. That's a ridiculous number. Um, but hopefully he'll get the, that next one soon. That's a ridiculous number and the most of any player during that time too. So he's knocking on the door. He's played a lot of good golf. Many people look to Jack Nicklaus winning 18 major championships. He also had 19 seconds too. So this is a guy who I wouldn't be surprised to see Rory get in the mix again at the Open Championship. And let's see uh, if, if he can get it done. Now looking at the Travelers Championship, another name that a lot of people are going to be high on this week, Xander Shoffley, who is fifth on the betting book right now fifth shortest odds on FanDuel at plus 1400 now I know you're high on Xander this week Bob because I'm also high on on Xander this <laughs> week and you know it, it seemed after he shoots that eight under 62 on Thursday and then the rest of the week he's five over par now obviously his U.S. Open record is what it is but heading into a tournament which he won last year the Travelers Championship would you be surprised to see Xander dancing around the top of the leaderboard yet again? No, not at all. I think if you look at his year, look at his uh, uh, results so far this season, I mean, he's done essentially everything but win. He's got nine top tens, and he's, he's been in the mix in a lot of tournaments. Um, it seems like what we just saw at the, at the U.S. Open is a little bit of a composite of what, what's happened to him this year in a lot of cases where he's just not been able to kind of put all four rounds together. He's he's obviously a super uber talented golfer and can 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 do that at any point. But I think if he uh, again, it's 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 like Rory. We were just talking about you know you you play great golf, but someone just plays a little bit better than you, or you play three and a half great rounds and you have one bad stretch of holes or something that causes the difference. 
the, the difference between winning and losing on the PGA Tour is just minute, and all you can do is keep putting yourselves in the mix, put yourself in there. He's been, you know, as I said, nine top tens, one time with a runner-up finish, but, but his stretch of golf is, is exceptionally impressive here, and you, and you kind of get the feeling that it's just a matter of time, and maybe it's this week where he finally gets that win for the season. Yeah, it's been a really good year for Xander Shoffley, and um, you know he's he's played a lot of great golf, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him get in the mix again. Now, before we go to break, I, I want to go way down the betting book here because uh, this is a guy who has you know played a lot of great golf in his career. He won a major championship last year, and that's Justin Thomas. Bob on FanDuel right now, his odds to win are plus sixty five hundred. 65 to 1 for Justin Thomas. Now, he only beat three players last week at the U.S. Open. One of two rounds in the 80s was shot by JT. He missed the cut at the Masters. He barely made the cut at the PGA Championship. This guy's played on many U.S. teams, Ryder Cup, President's Cup. But the way he's playing right now, there's no way he's going to make that Ryder Cup team. Do you have any intel on what on earth is happening with Justin Thomas right now? No, I don't, and I don't know if he does. <laughs> I think he's absolutely baffled by what's happened. Um, he's been working hard. Uh, he missed the cut in his last two starts. He's missed, you know, as you said, missed the cut at the Masters, uh, PGA Championship, 65th. You know, he's just been sort of a non-entity. And, and if you look at his, uh, you know, his individual parts of his game, the putting is the one thing that stands out. He's been, you know, negative, basically negative strokes game putting um, with the exception of the Wells Fargo, but all the way back to the Players' Championship. So that's part of it as well. But some of the other numbers, I mean, the performance last week was was jaw-dropping how brutal it was. I mean, he was, as you said, only beat a handful of players or a couple of players. It's it's sort of shocking. And you could see it eating at him. You could see him last week. He was kind of getting frustrated with it uh, during the round. He does that a lot when he plays poorly, but this one, you could just see he was just being, looked like someone who'd been dragged through the mud. Uh, and I don't know what the, what the problem is. I don't know if there's something going on different or if it's a swing flaw or a putter flaw or what it is, but, but it's, uh, it's surprising, but you still cut, I mean, I don't know about you, but I still feel like he's going to all of a sudden just show up one week and, and blow the doors off some tournament and win it. Yeah, I'm making the comparison to his good pal, Jordan Spieth, who there were a couple last or at the U.S. Open in 2021 where he was quoted as saying, I'm standing on the tee here and I have no idea where the ball's going. So you think, I mean, it's golf's hard. Golf's hard whether you're a weekend warrior or you're a two-time major champion like Justin Thomas who can easily flip a switch and and play good golf. But 65 to 1 for Justin Thomas. Talk about value. If you're looking for a flyer this week for a guy who's obviously had a decorated PGA Tour career already, JT might be worth a little flyer. On the other side, we'll have 20 weeks of TaylorMade, what we're giving away this week, and we're going to have a little chat about the Canadians because there are five Canadians inside the top 55 in the FedEx Cup standings right now. That is something that you absolutely love to see. We'll discuss that and much more next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, 
home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Well, as we wrap up our one here on GTC, I want to give a shout out to our friends at TPC Toronto at Osprey Valley who are putting on for the second straight year their annual Your 54, where it's three courses, one day, unlimited fun. Uh, they, it's the summer solstice, of course, today where you play golf all day long. And I'm pretty sure our own James Duthie played in this event last year. And maybe, Bob, this is something that we can... We can we can do a live radio show while playing golf. I think that would work out really well for everyone, don't you think? Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure they'd they'd want to hear us for 54 holes, but maybe we can do it at the end of it if we're still we're able to crawl up the 18th green. But a, a cool event, and uh, yeah, for those summer solstice today, hopefully get out and play. And uh, it's fun to walk up the fairways at 9.15 p.m. when uh, it's still light outside. You can still play some, uh, some golf. But I mentioned on the previous side that uh, the Canadians, obviously we have four Canadian winners on the PGA Tour this season. And with that, obviously, is good standing in the FedEx Cup, where as of right now, five Canadians inside the top 55. Of course, Nick Taylor is number eight, Corey Connors, 32, Mackenzie Hughes, 35, Adam Svensson, 36, Adam Hadwin at 51. Can you remember a time, Bob, where you've seen this much parity, this much um, dominance is, wouldn't be the right word, but this much success on the PGA Tour by Canadians? Not, not in this terms of this depth, for sure. No, you know, we used to always talk about how there were the Canadians were always seemed to be in pairs so the so you had uh, Mike Weir and Stephen Ames and you had Dave Barr and Dan Hollers and you had George Newson and Al Balding go way back now there's other people who have been in there obviously along the way like Ian Leggett was a PGA Tour winner but uh, this is and, and people remarked this to me at, at like at the US Open my colleagues from who are not from Canada will come up and say man this is amazing like the year you're having and everyone of course was raving about Nick Taylor last week but to see all these wins, to see all this performance, and to see what's going to happen, maybe uh, you know it could be pretty interesting at uh, around President's Cup time in uh, in a year and a half. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, we saw last year Taylor Pendrith and Corey Connors play together at the President's Cup, and you know obviously they didn't play as well as they would have liked, but especially at Royal Montreal, especially with Mike Weir as a captain. I, I hinted this to Graham Dillette live on the air too. I said, wouldn't it be great if you were a captain's assistant? And, and he smiled at me. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. We'll see that. I think that'd maybe. be awesome. That'd be a cool little maybe little pie in the sky, but that, that would definitely uh, be awesome. Okay, 20 Weeks of TaylorMade continues all summer long here on Golf Talk Canada. This week, we're giving away a TaylorMade Stealth 2 Plus driver. Hip, hip, hooray, valued at nearly $900. Now, all you have to do, uh, go to golftalkcanada.com, 20 weeks to tailor-made. Sign up for our fantasy pool. It's free. It's fun. This year we're giving away over $40,000 in tailor-made product. Bob, when was the last time you hit your tailor-made Stealth 2 Plus driver? Because it's been some time, <laughs> I know. It's got a few cobwebs on it. Yeah, but before the Canadian Open, I think I played on the oh, – I actually played the Monday of Canadian Open week because I we managed to finish up a little bit early, and I joined my dad and my sister, actually, for nine holes. So that was uh, – that was the last time. So it's overdue. It's going to get a workout tomorrow or maybe Friday. 
Okay, well, uh, we'll have a full breakdown on how that round went, on how the cobwebs were were taken off, and Bob Weeks just hitting bombs. Because like I've said, you've got some speed this year, Weeksy. I don't know what you did in the <laughs> offseason, but there's some pop in that bat, some anabolic steroids perhaps. Uh, something's going on, but you are swinging fast, which is definitely awesome to see. Okay, on the other side, we're going to have a full preview of the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. Brooke Henderson, she has a win this season, but that win is her only top 10. Is there a cause for concern for Brooke Henderson? We'll discuss Brooke as well. Rose Zhang, a superstar, maybe already, definitely in the making. We'll discuss that and much more next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada, Hour 2, the back nine here on GTC. Adam Scully alongside Mark Sacchino. Coming up, I'm sorry, you're not Mark Sacchino. <laughs> Hi, I Bob. I can be if you want me to be. But... Hi, Bob. I was about <laughs> to, what I was going to say is Mark Sacchino's joining me in 30 minutes. <laughs> you're, you're not Mark, are you? Okay. Anyways, hi. Uh, hi, Bob. So it's Hello. Scully and, and Bob. Uh, Bill Price going to join us in uh, later on an hour or two. Sorry, a lot going on in the brain right now. I just saw on social media Tom Kim celebrating his 21st birthday today as well. Scotty Scheffler, also his birthday today too. Who, who would have thunk it? Wow. Scotty Scheffler, Tom Kim, birthday boys. Uh, what I do know, Bob, is when we do speed golf, and three handicap today. I'm going to do my best not to call you Mark Sacchino. I can't promise okay, anything. That would probably be good. I like I'll, that I'll, idea. I'll see if I can read the teleprompter properly, but I mean, <laughs> who, who knows? Who knows? Anyways, we are back here for hour two, a jam-packed hour two, as always. And this week, it is an LPGA major at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship at Baltistral. How cool is this, Bob? Baltistral hosting uh, an LPGA major. Yeah, Gil Hans is a busy guy. He's been renovating all these courses that are hosting majors and stuff, so it's pretty good. I think the, uh, from what I've been reading so far, the players seem to uh, be um, liking it. It's, uh, it's a test. It's going to be a little bit longer than I think than uh, the average PGA Tour or LPGA Tour event, excuse me. So I think there's some good challenge in there. And when you get, you know, it hasn't always been the case that the LPGA Tour majors have been on great golf courses. They've gone to some... I don't know, less than great golf courses, not bad golf courses. But now, you know, the U.S. Opens at Pebble Beach this year. So it's, I, I like it. I like seeing these, uh, these deserving uh, women play on the, on the best courses just as the men do. 
Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned that uh, U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach. That gets underway July 6th, and I'm, I'm so excited for that one. That's going to be I'm going to be dialed in the entire time. Obviously, I was just at Pebble Beach uh, in September, and uh, maybe around that week, I'll, I'll post uh, my driver off the deck heading into the 18th hole uh, when I try to go driver, driver at Pebble Beach, because that was uh, that was something I'll, I'll never forget. Anyway, going back to this week's KPMG Women's PGA Championship, as we always do, we break down Brooke Henderson's chances as we head to an LPGA major. Now, she won this tournament, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, back in 2016. That was her first major championship. She won her second major last year at the Evian. And for Brooke Henderson, this season has been, it's been good in terms of a victory. And it's been strange because she's been inconsistent since then. So the big question, Bob, is there any sort of cause for concern for Brooke Henderson as we head into this week? Uh, I'm beginning to sort of think that maybe there is, I've been a, a holdout saying, oh yeah, you know, don't worry. It's, it's not going to be that bad. It's just something, you know, she's going to turn it around and maybe she still will, but it seems to me that it's, it's starting to get a little bit more concerning that, that she's not, I guess the, 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 what we expect for her and, and definitely look, it's, it's a, a situation where we expect a lot from Brooke because of what she has performed and how she has performed in, in recent years. So you wonder if there's something else going on, if there's a swing flaw, if she's distracted off the course, or uh, she's taken a little, it seems to me she's taken a little more time off than she normally does. Maybe she's just focusing on the majors, and maybe she'll come out firing this week and surprise us all. But I'm at the point where my eyebrow is raised a little bit going, hmm, I wonder what's happening here. Like, what, what could be the situation? And the only thing I found sort of statistically is that she's missing a lot more greens than she has before. Most of the other parts of her uh, game are, you know, within the, the, the sort of realm of one year to the next, but they're not really shocking drops or eye-opening drops. Um, I would say that her strokes, her average score is like about a shot, over a shot difference. That's big on the LPGA Tour. She always says she likes to get her uh, scoring average under 70. Well, she's at 70.6, I think it is right now. So there are points for for concern I think and and um, it's still relatively early I guess in the season but I think if you look at at some of the things it's it's really that greens and reg which could be a factor uh, started by missing a few more fairways um, that's that's causing some of the issues but maybe maybe this week she'll make us forget all about that yeah you mentioned greens and regulation last year she was fifth in greens and regulation this year currently 31st in greens in regulation as well too last year putts per greens in regulation brooke henderson 17th this year 53rd so certainly um strange to say the least but i mean she's had a great career so far and she's not a robot i mean sometimes people struggle we, we just mentioned justin thomas about half an hour ago we no one would expect justin thomas to play as poorly as he had and it's not like brooke henderson's played that bad she just hasn't played amazing since that victory and at the previous major two this season on the lpga tour she was in the mix through 36 holes and really got off to a poor start that saturday i believe she was six or seven over par on that first side including a triple bogey but i think bob that because so the lpga schedule has been uh, not inconsistent but a little different this year in terms of there hasn't 
you know, been that long stretch of golf. Uh, they've had some weeks off. Brooke Henderson wins. They have a month off. Now we have a number of majors sort of jam-packed together here. There's still four majors, including this week on the LPGA calendar. And the way Brooke Henderson's played in the past, she plays better when she plays more golf. So you wonder if that'll be the case here as we, we move ahead starting this week. Uh, you know, we'll see. This is, this is a tournament, even though it's played on different courses a lot, where she has played fairly well. So this would be a good one for her uh, to, to shine on. Obviously, you mentioned the, the win in 2016, but she's also got, she's only, only finished outside the top 21 once in this tournament. And uh, she's got a, last year was a tie for 16th. So I, I, I guess it's, you want to be concerned and you want to figure out if there's something going on. But at this point, I also wouldn't be surprised if she won this week. That's, that's kind of the way Brooke is. But I do know that she spent a little more time back at home. She's taking a little more time off. So maybe she's just... Uh, maturing a little bit and deciding that she can't go at breakneck speed like she's been doing for so many years. And, and I mean, there's, listen, there's a lot of great young players on the LPGA Tour, and, and Brooke is still amongst the, uh, the highest profile of them all, so she still carries a lot of, a lot of uh, attention wherever she plays. Yeah, she certainly does. And on FanDuel right now, to win the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, Brooke Henderson plus 5,000, or 50-1 to 1 to win. Hello, value. So look out there, Brooke Henderson, 50-1 to 1 to win this week. Obviously, a number of huge storylines heading into this week, too, including Nellie Corda, who's had a lot of back issues. And now it appears, anyway, that uh, she is she's back. She's back playing. And she said uh, during Tuesday's press conference that she wouldn't be back if she wasn't feeling 100%. It's just great overall, Bob, to see one of the great stars on the LPGA Tour back in action and recovering from an injury. Very much so. You know, there's there's a good crop of uh, profile players, you know, highlight players um, who who are up there, and and uh, she's definitely one of them. You like to see that. She's one of those players that people come to watch and see. I think you can look at uh, you can look at Rose Zhang, the young rookie who has won her first event as a pro and now is playing her first major as a pro. Could she win again? And all sorts of talk about her and the Solheim Cup. Um, there's. Jin Young Ko, who is the world number one, and this week will equal the record for the most weeks spent atop the world number one rankings, 158 weeks she spent there. So, you know, she's having a good season. She's already won twice this year. And then there's other profile players. Lexi Thompson is another player who gets a ton of attention out there. So um, when you can get Nellie Korda back in your, in your field, uh, it's a good thing. And I think, like she said, she wouldn't be playing if she thought she, she was going to injure herself more or she wasn't capable of playing well. And I, I want to get back to Rose Zhang because, you know, she's someone who had a decorated college career. And it's not so often where you just step onto the first tee in your first professional event and, hey, you're just going to go out and win, which is certainly awesome. Now, she won her first pro event, first pro major. Like, realistically, what do you think her chances are to contend this week? I think they're pretty good. You know, I actually do. I mean, I, I, I don't think. Judging by what she's played in in the past, she won you know, the NCAAs twice. She won the USAM. So she's experienced in big moments. This is obviously a step up in terms of a big moment. She might get a little nervous. But from her game, it's just so impressive. And, uh, and to see her win that tournament uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, the highlights just showed someone who is more or less in complete control of their game. There were a couple little wobbles. But I think if you, if you are... Um, a top LPGA Tour player or a top collegiate player, you face a lot more of attention, I think, than 
than you would if, say, on a men's side. I think the, the difference between amateur golf and men and the amateur golf and women making that jump to the pro side, there's a big difference. But I think Rose Yang's game has shined through, and she's proven that she can do it. Certainly can, and I'm looking forward to seeing Rojang, Brooke Henderson, so many great storylines uh, heading into the second major on the LPGA Tours calendar uh, this week at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship at Baltistral, too, of all places, which uh, which is a, a very, uh, very cool venue. Now, uh, Bob, that's going to be it for you and me today. After calling you Mark, I, I think I should go in the penalty box for a little bit, but, but that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. We'll, we'll move past that. Um, we'll be seeing each other a little later. We've got a couple segments we're doing. We're doing speed golf, and we're doing we're doing three handicap. Now we haven't done a three handicap just you and I in a little while because uh, for the RBC Canadian Open it was yourself, it was Graham Dillette and I, and then last week it was you and Mark and Graham. But you and I, we've had some success with three handicaps so far this year, haven't we? Yeah, they call it blind luck. I don't know. It's uh, it's always this is a little easier than trying to pick a winner of the tournament because. Obviously, there's only three players you have to work with, but we, yeah, we've had a, we've had, and if people have parlayed, you know, we've done pretty well with some of those. And uh, and to be honest, I always do put a, a, a small wager on our picks to make sure that uh, you're invested in what we're saying, and it's paid off pretty well so far. We got some nice props this morning from uh, some of the folks who uh, look after the FanDuel stuff at uh, at TSN, so that's good. And even on our wins and uh, on uh, Golf Talk Canada television, you know, we're picking a winner. We're on our edge picks. We've done pretty well as well. Okay. Or at least I have. Well, we we, we is, yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, you're just kicking, you know what, and and taking names here right now. Six dubs on the season for you. Now, Mark led uh, us last year. He had eight wins throughout the entire season on TSN Edge. And Mark started to get really hot sort of this time of year around the Open Championship. I believe he picked three straight winners uh, around this time, which was his TSN turning point of the TSN Edge season. So let's see. We're trying to get back up here, uh, or I'm trying to get back up in the race on our TSN Edge picks. Check out the FanDuel app for Bob and I's picks, and as well, uh, I'll post them uh, on my Instagram story, too, where you can uh, try to uh, follow us on 3 Handicap. Bob, thanks for your time this morning, and uh, we'll talk to you a little later this afternoon uh, on SportsCenter for Speed Golf. Sounds good. Take care, everybody. Okay, there is Bob Weeks. There he goes. Uh, on the other side, it is TaylorMade Putter Week this week, and we're going to chat with Bill Price from TaylorMade about the 2023 TaylorMade line of putters. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Getting some quotes here from players at the Travelers Championship as uh, they're speaking to the media. Adam Scott being one of them, of course, a veteran on the PGA Tour. And he was asked about the PGA PIF partnership and the framework and what that could be. And I'm going to read his quote here. We're straight back into player meetings here this week. I think 
That's like what I said before. Just when you're very surprised, emotions are very stirred up, and I think you can't help but feel left in the dark, even though I don't expect to run the PGA Tour and them to run everything by me. So although that seems very simple, I think the deal sounds quite complex, and this could take a long time. I think hopefully everyone is cooling down, and as things go along, there is transparency to the players, and those questions get answered a lot of moving parts here and we'll discuss this and much more with mark Sacchino in our next segment but switching gears here it is tailor-made putting week this week a lot of players you'll see on the pga tour at the travelers wearing special edition tailor-made spider putting hats and the man behind the putters is bill price who we've had on the show many times and we'll have on again very soon Two. For much more on TaylorMate's 2023 line of putters, here's Bob with Bill Price. Bill, a great putter story for TaylorMade for 2023, and we're going to start with uh, the GTX model, which uh, is already getting some popularity, a lot of uh, people looking at it. Tell us about this putter from a general standpoint. What's the big, what are the selling features for this putter? Yeah, great. Uh, so every year we always have these new spiders, and the platform of spider has always been about stability. So this year's spider is called GTX, and what we did is we kind of blended two of our most successful putters. That was Spider X and Spider Tour. So the first thing that's noticeable is you're going to see True Path on top. So a lot of the players really enjoy the, the true path that we have on top right now. It makes it easier to light up. Guys like Rory McIlroy, so they prefer to have the, the true path. And most of our tour players uh, really enjoy seeing their line with the true path. So that's the first thing that you see. That was really brought in from Spider X. The other part is Spider Tour. Spider Tour had a very deep CG in the stability story. So with uh, the new GTX, you have a weight bar that's back here today, which gives it that look of a spider. And if we pull the CG deep in the deep in the cavity here, so it's about 37 millimeters. So it's like just like Spider Tour was. So you've got this 154 gram weight bar back here. So great story for us, great stability story, and a continuation of what Spider's been on tour. Uh, lots of options with this one as well. You can move it in colors and things like that. Yeah, so one of the things that keeps coming up all the time, everybody loves our My Programs that we have with the Spider and the TP program. So we decided to bring the My Program to retail. So we're going to have six different finish options. So great opportunity for us. We're bringing back some, some heritage play, like with a white version that we have. We also still continue to have the red, uh, black, and, and then, we, of course, we have our nice uh, kind of dune silver here. Okay. Uh, why don't we move on to the next model, which is, uh, of course, the GT Max. And this one is getting a lot of attention, as it should. Well, <laughs> it's I don't know remarkable have, features. I don't know if we have enough time to talk about this one here, but this one is special because we've been working on this for five years. So it's not the normal putter. So a lot of times we go out, and the first thing that I always get, and I'm sure everybody that's listening to this is, which putter should I play with? You walk into a store and you see all the rack of putters and, you know, it's a hundred different putters. Which one benefits me? My simple answer to that is which one delivers it back to square? Now, uh, I know that's kind of technical there, but 93% of making that putt is getting that putter face back to square. So what I'm saying is path really does not matter. So in other words, I can have six degrees out, six degrees in, but if you're zero at impact, that putt's going in. So 
it's all about getting that face to rotate around the shaft and bringing it back to square. So with uh, Spider Max this year, we have for the first time, you can see movable weights. So you've got 40 grams on each side. So that makes 80 grams total that are sliding up and down the track. So we're gonna be able to change the CG location upwards of about 12 millimeters. So up to close to 29 millimeters up front and then all the way back, it's 41 millimeters. So huge story for us. How do I know which position I should have those weights in? I know everyone's gonna ask that. Yep, that's simple. So you can just go out to the putting green here and first thing that we like to ask is what's your tendency? And then I'm gonna dive a little deeper. What's your tendency under pressure? So when you go under pressure, you usually have a tendency to miss right or left. Most of us do. So we want to find out what that tendency is. And now by dialing in front or back, we can dial in that tendency and fix that tendency. So I'm not asking you to change your stroke. I'm asking, we're going to have the putter fit you. The, you said it took was five years in the making of putting it all together. And I know you did a lot of testing beforehand to make sure that this was actually going to grow and those, and those tests really did prove the theory of what you were trying to get to with this the adjustability, correct? Yeah, so a lot happens right here at the Kingdom. So what, what we see with the players when they come through is we're, we're grabbing different putters. And a lot of times we like to grab a putter that we like to look at, but necessarily that doesn't return back to square that we see. So it depended upon who you are, now we can fit. So in other words, if you have a tendency to miss to the right, so if my tendency is to the right, and so we want to increase that rotation around the, the, the shaft. So we want that head to increase. We want more closure is what I'm trying to say on the face. So we're going to slide, just start to slide the weights up towards the front. That's going to provide anywhere up, up to about two and a half degrees more closure. So on a 14 foot putt, the reason we're saying this on degrees is because it's about 0.72, a miss, less than a degree. So we're going to be able to work with two and a half degrees of opening that face or closing that face, meaning being able to rotate around the shaft. What kind of person would benefit from this? Is it, or is everybody gonna benefit? It's everybody. We all have flaws in our putting. So the one thing is it's the most used club in our bag. So the one thing that we wanna do is be able to get that face closure in the proper spot where, where whatever our tendency is. So like I was saying, if we miss right, we go forward. If we miss to the left, I've got too much rotation around the shaft. So I'm gonna slow that down and move the weights to the back. So we always talked about tohei. So this is a whole new technology of talking not just toe hang but also having a CG location because we see it all the time with the players and so we really started with the players on tour because each putter were trying to fit their tendencies. Uh, you said it took five years to pull this together. Yeah. How proud of you of your team at TaylorMade and what was the journey like to get to a finished product? Well, it, it, uh, it was great. I mean, to have really uh, the support of the, all the great engineers and all the research that we did with all the different players, but it really started on tour. And then we took all the input back from the tour players and seeing all the different data that's up there. What's number one is the number one stroke we see in our kingdom is three degrees outside in with one degree open. That's the number one stroke that we see. The number two stroke is the complete opposite. We see two degrees in to out and one degree closed. So both of those are missing putts. 
So we need to dial, imagine we can take a putter and dial that person in or every person that's out there today with one putter. It's like having three different spiders in one. <laughs> the spider family has, as you said, you the, the, the other model you have there was sort of taking some of the best parts of previous models. What's the legacy of the spider line, the spider history? It's such a great um, addition to, to people's golf bags. Yeah, great great question. So, you know, like I said here, with, with moving the weights in the middle here, the number two slot, that's like having a spider axe. Moving it all the way in the back, it's kind of like a spider tour, like an old daddy long legs that we used to have. And up front, it's like our GT series. So the, the model we just talked about, GTX, is kind of like a one and a half here. So, like I said, not every putter is perfect for us. Which one can we rotate and get to deliver our tendencies and fix our tendencies? That's what we can do with Spider Max. And just to wrap up, uh, Brooke Henderson has a spider in the bag. Tell she us does. about uh, about putting that and getting that right putter for her. What a great signing for us and be able to get Brooke Henderson. It's great. And so she has a GT putter and she has a center shaft. So her face rotation is up front. So that's the nice thing about uh, Brooke is she's got a mallet, she's a mallet user, and there's a lot of advantages to using a mallet. We saw that uh, from uh, the first tournament coming on board with TaylorMade. Awesome stuff there from Bob and Bill Price. It is TaylorMade Putter Week. On the other side, Mark Sacchino going to join me to discuss all the latest in the world of golf and preview this week's Travelers Championship. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac, experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Well, we haven't heard from Mark Sacchino yet throughout this show. Uh, I had a chance to catch up with Mark all about the latest in the world of golf, and we preview the Travelers championship all right bring in mark sacchino now and mark it's been a wild two-week stretch to put it bluntly now that you're back now that you're in toronto how does it feel to be back after a wild two-week stretch you know it's been a crazy one for all of us right like you know when you consider everything you were doing at the rbc canadian open you were there every day cp24 tsn um, then myself doing, uh, you know, golf, not can, obviously, which you took the wheel for in the second half and, and all three of us doing golf, not can every day. And then the serious XM duties and then Bob with his TSN stuff. And then to go right from that for all three of us to just roll into another national championship. I mean, today will be 18 or 19 days in a row of being kind of in it. So I'm looking forward to a couple days off. I'm not working this weekend skulls. I'm wow. going to Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Golf Talk Canada's cousin's getting married. So uh, first weekend off in quite some time, going to go to Ottawa for the wedding. And I will not pay attention to the travelers until Sunday afternoon. So I will turn into like a normal golf enthusiast, which really, unless they have nothing else to do, which most people don't, most people have too much to do. Most people, what? Three o'clock on Sunday, start to 
like wonder, oh, I wonder what's happening in the golf. I'm going to be one of those this week. Well, I, I love that for you, first of all, to take a break. And second of all, I mean, 15 days ago, uh, that's something that we're going to play in our year our year in review, our best of special, sort of a where were you when moment when the merger went down. It's hard to believe that that was included in this two-week run as well. Doesn't that feel like months ago? <laughs> I, it's unbelievable. Like If you think of like what, what transpired in L.A., what transpired at our own national championship, which, you know, I was watching SportsCenter uh, – couple of nights ago or something, I saw a re- it was a repeat of sports there. We're talking about the top 10 moments on Canadian soil. They counted down and it was like, we don't get a lot of those, you know, there's Kawhi Leonard shot from the corner and obviously Joe Carter, you know, touch them all Joe kind of thing. I mean, and then to, to think of the way how, I don't want to use the word panic, panic, but your video that went viral with your reaction to the news that kind of said it all perfectly. And it was, and then it was like this, here we go again. And if you had a sat all three of us down that Tuesday night or that Wednesday morning, Adam, and said, two weeks later, so much is going to happen that that's really about what happens on the course, not away from the course, right? So much is going to happen in Canadian sports uh, with LA Country Club, with Rory not getting it done uh, on a Sunday, with Wyndham Clark breaking through with his first major change. All that was going to transpire, and we would not even be thinking about Jay Monahan in the hospital, live PGA Tour merger, wondering what next year's schedule is going to look like. We None of this has even crossed our mind. It, it feel, We're so far removed, yet to your point, when that news dropped on Tuesday, I mean, for the next 24 hours, we thought that this, this is all we're going to talk about for like the next three months. And now here we are, it's been two weeks. We've barely said a word about it. We're talking about the things we should be talking about. And now, you know, players meeting this week at Travelers. I'm sure there's going to be stuff that comes out of that. And and a lot of it's going to be, you know, I, I'm still in the question mode. I don't think, even with players meetings and stuff like that, I don't know, but I want to know what you think, Adam. Like, do you think we're going to have any answers before the FedEx Cup? Because I, I think the earliest we hear something, Assuming Jay Monahan's healthy, and I hope he is, I hope he has a speedy recovery. I think we get to East Lake, and that might be the earliest time that Jay Monahan calls a presser with an announcement on the questions we have for 24. I don't think we get anything before that. Yeah, I was going to say the open championship. I don't I don't think they want to rain on the parade of the most famous golf tournament and the oldest golf tournament, that sort of thing. They've, they've already rained rain on the parade of the RBC Canadian Open, so maybe they shouldn't uh, do that all over again. Maybe the start of the playoffs, maybe uh, event number one, maybe. But to your point, I mean, Jay Monahan, if he is knock on wood healthy come Eastlake, he'll be there and he'll have a press conference like he always does Tour Championship Week. We just want some clarity because – when we listened to those press conferences last week before the tournament, before the U.S. Open got underway, players were asked, and they said, I know as much as you do. And to me, that's that's still crazy how no one really knows what on earth is going on. Well, did you have the opportunity to read Tom Watson's open letter to Golf Digest? And, you know, Tom Watson said a lot of things in there. But but one of the main things I got from his letter, and he's asking the same questions we're all asking. Why now? How did it happen? What, what was the process? Was there another path? Like all the same questions we have. And then, of course, the questions forecasting to 2024. But one of the main things that jumped out at me from Tom Watson's letter was 
that they put the cart before the horse. Should they have not put the players together in a room uh, on a Zoom call internationally and said, okay, here's the situation that presents itself. We are, we are spending X amount of millions of dollars daily, weekly to fight legal cases and lawyers. This is what we project to spend over the next eight months, legal fees, lawyers. Here's the current situation with the tour. By the way, we're competing against somebody fiscally that has an unavailable amount of money. Like it's 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 as deep as the well they go, they just plant another money tree and more billions of dollars fall out of that money tree. Present that opportunity to the players, to the at least the player council and board first, if you weren't gonna go to everybody, but generally to Tom Watson's point, like go to everybody, have the players chime in, talk about it and talk about it and then go back and it, and and if it's a uniform thing it feels to me Adam like it happened in reverse it's like these three or four people went rogue at you know and then those four three or four people went rogue even if the intentions are good even if they think there wasn't another path the i'm just pointing out the process now we're going to go make the deal and then we're going to come back to the players and try to sell you the deal we just went and made mm -hmm it's 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 backwards no yeah exactly it's almost as if that 4 p.m meeting on that tuesday 15 days ago should have been what you had said this is what we're thinking about here's everything that we're stepping up here instead of having guys like justin thomas and colin morikawa tweeting out how mad they are that they're finding out this life-changing information uh, on social media so i this is something that you know we're obviously going to monitor and i, I know the story will keep changing as as the week goes on as the weeks go on summer goes on hopefully we get some sort of clarity uh, at some point soon but uh, on the PGA Tour this week, it's another designated event. And do you feel these are a little too bunched together? I mean, especially four straight now. I mean, for us, the RBC Canadian Open, selfishly, obviously, is is uh, it is what it is. But to go from U.S. Memorial, RBC Canadian Open, U.S. Open Travelers, it just seems like a lot of golf all at once. What do you think? I think the schedule makes absolutely no sense right now with the designated events to your point. I mean, if we were going to have designated events, would you not put them? Okay, so let's remove the playoffs because they're all in August, right? So FedEx Cup playoffs is gone. Open Championship July, US Open June, uh, uh, PGA May, Masters April, Players uh, March. Okay, there's here's your designated events. One in Jan, one in Feb, one in September, and if the tour still exists after the FedEx Cup, because we don't even know how it's going to work with live and whatnot, designated event in October, designated event in November. That's enough. Why do we need more, with the exception of the FedEx Cup playoffs, which you don't even need to call them designated events. Anybody who qualifies for the playoffs is going to play. So why are we calling these things designated events? You know, it shouldn't be. What We should have one each month where there isn't a major. End of story. You uh, mean, and that doesn't leave a lot of room, right? It means century in Hawaii makes a lot of sense. It's a winner's only event with a few other categories now that they've allowed people to squeeze in. Genesis, Tigers event in February, Riviera makes a ton of sense. Why do we need anything else until uh, FedEx Cup's been handed out? I mean, I don't want to, I'm not trying to offend the legacy of Arnold Palmer or Jack Nicholas at, at uh, Memorial. 
But aren't those tournaments strong enough on their legacy alone? Do we really have to acknowledge them as designated events? I mean, this Travelers, I love the Travelers. One of my favorite events on tour, TPC River Highlands, you'd have a blast. Mm -hmm. I'd love to play that golf course with you because it's risk-reward from tee to green. Pound driver, take this angle, turn this par four into a par three, go at this par five, you would have a blast there. That's why guys like Bubba Watson have done so well there over the years and players like that. Why do we need to call it a designated event? Why can't we just have the Travelers Championship? And and you know what? Everywhere I go, everybody loves this golf course and this tournament. They'd be fine. How do you feel, Adam? Like To me, I'm exhausted by forced golf, in air quotations. Well, it's, it's a little puzzling just given what's happening after this week on the PGA Tour where there really is a lull in the schedule heading into the Genesis Scottish Open and then the Open Championship. And then there's another lull so to speak you know in my mind you know after after a major championship we saw that for years with the rbc canadian open right after the open championship the field uh, at the rbc canadian open especially called those glen abbey days and and in the teens and the 2010s etc the field wasn't that great because it was after a major championship because players were absolutely wiped and that's where these players are essentially being forced to play unless they have their one withdrawal, which they can take, obviously, for the designated events. I just wish there was sort of a a week, maybe not a, a full-on bye week, like we talked about on this show a couple times, but maybe you know a smaller level event where guys who didn't get into the U.S. Open have a chance to play, that, that sort of thing. But clearly that's not going to be the case. And clearly guys like you know Scotty Scheffler remains so, as hot as he is. And you wonder if he can, if he's just going to be exhausted. Like, I, I don't know how these guys do it week in and week out. Right. Like I'm more like it, when we talk about exhaustion and I know, I believe Bob is on Rory this week. I think yep. Bob likes Rory this week. I, I think he's the guy, if I'm looking at exhaustion, Rory's the one to me that is going through the emotional and mental grind of this right now, trying to get back in the winner's circle, trying to win a major answering so many questions, uh, the putter on Sunday, the wedge on 14. Uh, he's been the face of the tour, been carrying that around with him. To me, Adam, if anyone is going to feel like they have nothing left in the tank right now, to me, it's Rory. Uh, Scotty just seems to do this every week and just leave it to a higher power. And he goes about his business and Lati Don doesn't think that he's actually doing anything. He's just, mm-hmm. Oh, I work hard. It's my job. And, you know, God will take care of the rest. I mean, it, it must be liber- it must be liber- liberating to feel that way because I don't expect him to feel tired this week where I expect Rory to go, oh, I don't know if Rory can do another Sunday with the chance to win again. And do, yeah. would you blame him? No, totally. And, you know, Bob made the point on our TV special that aired uh, at 11 p.m. last night on TSN2 and will again throughout the day today about how maybe that burden is now off him. Now it seems like he's only talking uh, about golf. But, you know, on the topic of golf with Rory, given what we just saw on Sunday and given how I, I, you know, we've seen two Sundays now where he's in the last four or five majors, I guess, where he's had a legitimate chance to win, where he's probably should have won the golf tournament. And he hasn't. Do you think that is it scar tissue heading into the open championship or is he going to finally learn something from this and try to change things next time he's in in the mix? I hate to say it because everybody else seems to be pointing in the other way because they're looking at how consistent his his finishes are. And it's brilliant because and that's because T to green. I mean, when he's in full flight, look out. But 
I got to imagine there's doubt and scar tissue. And that's what I said to you on TV um, this week. I said, to me, he looks defensive now on Sundays. He looks like a guy trying not to lose the golf tournament, which is why he is not shooting himself out of golf tournaments, right? Like in order to shoot yourself out of a golf tournament, you need to take a shot, right? You need to go try to win it, i.e., Wyndham Clark, lob wedge, wide open, off the tight lie, but beyond the 11th green, right? That was Wyndham Clark saying, no, I'm here not, not to, to back into one. I'm here to win this. I'm going to get up and down. Knocking it on the par 5, 14th and 2. I'm here to try to win this. I'm looking at Rory right now, and, and it seems to be a Sunday phenomenon at the moment. He gets the Sunday. We're playing away from flags on Sunday. We, we got 30 feet proximity all day. With these kind of 20 to 30 footers where, you know, he ain't going to get in trouble short-siding himself. He did on 14, mind you. But overall, generally speaking, after that two-putt on one, I mean, how close did he come to making a birdie after that? You yeah, the I only mean? really close, close, close call was on the eighth hole when he didn't hit the hole from three feet, and and that was basically it. And and to your point about you know playing defensive, we talked we've talked at length about that third shot on fourteen, but that was all set up by the tee shot where he was trying to hit a cut around the bunker instead of playing that bomb driver. Uh, with a draw that he's been playing all week and was averaging, what, 335 yards off the tee? If he gets aggressive there, to your point, with the high draw, that bunker's not even in play for him. No. But you got to trust it, and you got to go after it. And you said something Monday on radio that you were a 1,000% right on. I agree with you. Nobody's talking about it. His approach into 18. That should have been – there should have been no shape there. You're in a moment where you need to make a birdie. You take dead aim yeah. at that Dead aim. Uh, if you want to work it five feet, you know, want, want it to fall right, fall left, so be it. But that's a dead aim shot. That is not a shot where you aim 30 to 40 feet left of the flag and try to, like, he tries to wheel in some safety cut that straightens out on him and leaves another mediocre mid-range effort when you're trying to win the U.S. Open. That right there, in that moment in time, is a perfect example of what I mean by saying, playing defensive, not taking your shot. There's a difference between playing smart and playing scared. And Rory on Sunday looks like he's playing scared to me, not smart. And I don't know. That three-footer, too, we're, we're not talking enough about that either. I mean, did he touch the hole? I, it, like, it looked like he dead-heeled it from three feet. So, I don't know. It's I, this, The sooner he gets over this and closes a Sunday – the, the, the better it's going to be for the golf world, including Rory McIlroy in the golf world. My question to you, Adam, is if he closes out this Sunday at the Travelers Championship and goes and shoots 65 and wins the Travelers with a, a commanding performance on Sunday, does that mean anything at all when we get to Hoylake? Honestly, if, if, he, if he misses the cut by four and he wins this week, that, that's the same thing to me. Because if he misses the cut, he's exhausted. If he makes the cut and wins... He's just—he's still playing good golf. He only lost to one person this week, but it's that mental edge. It's about getting over the edge, and that's why we love covering him because he's so perplexing. He's so unique, and you know he's one of the great athletes uh, of our time uh, right now. Mark, that's all the time we have um, because we're going to wrap up the show on the other side. But thank you for joining today. 
Really appreciate it, my friend. And we'll see you uh, next Monday on radio. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Thanks for covering again. We'll be back to uh, normal next week. Uh, it, normal. Like, I don't even know what normal is anymore, but back to our version of normal, Adam. Back to our, our version of normal and looking forward to seeing you in 3D. It's been uh, quite some time since uh, we've done that. Golf Talk Canada. We'll wrap it up next. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac. Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of Lightstrike and Lightstrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Some great shoes from Adidas Golf. And check out my social media channels this weekend for the all-new Adidas ZG23 vent shoes and some really, really awesome colors as well big week in the world of golf the second lpga major of the season the kpmg women's pga championship from baltistral i mentioned brooke henderson's odds on FanDuel. open the week at 50 to 1 now shortened to 37 to 1 look out for brooke henderson as she looks for her third career major championship. As well, Travelers Championship, another designated event on the PGA Tour. Scotty Scheffler, your favorite right now at plus 600. Well, check out three handicap later today on the FanDuel app, tsn.ca as well. Bob and I will be back on Speed Golf on SportsCenter. Well, this wraps up our first leg of our triple header today across the TSN network. We're back on television TSN 4 at 1 p.m. and TSN 2 at 4 p.m. Thanks so much for joining us today. And remember, the first good decision for the golf course always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of Lightstrike and Lightstrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit golftalkcanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.